The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, it's that time. It's almost the weekend. You're close. It's Friday. It's the Disability Law Show. We are ready to go. John Scholes here. And my good pal, Savan Tamarkin, is aboard, of course, and he's ready to uh, make you that much smarter, reaching out any time. Don't forget, numbers toll-free. Pick it up. Have a chat with Savannah and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Anytime, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's a handy email. And we'll give you more details and some more contact information throughout the uh, the next half hour. Want to get into right away, though, before we get into a, just an absolute slew of emails. And uh, I know you got something to discuss off the top, Savannah. But pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. I was just talking to um, your partner, uh, Tamara, the other day on the, on the TV show that we have. And uh, she loves it. Give me some details on it. Hey, John. Great to be here with you. So the Pocket Disability Lawyer website, uh, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca, essentially a website we created a short while back, and uh, it allows people who have any issues, any questions with their long-term disability claims to go on this website and get accurate, fast answers with respect to their own disability uh, cases or questions. So let's say, for example, John, that you were denied your long-term disability. Let's say, for example, that uh, you were invited to appeal your long-term oh. disability denial, or that you were told to go and see a doctor that the company, that the insurance company wants you to see. Anything like that, any questions you have about your disability claim, let's say you don't want to talk to a lawyer at the beginning. You just want to get this information directly, uh, but you want accurate information and you want to be anonymous. Well, you can go to pocketdisabilitylawyer.com and there is a click down menu and you can actually select the topic that you want to get an answer about and uh, in you know you, you need to input a, a little bit of information about your situation you don't have to identify yourself no name no phone number nothing but you're gonna get an immediate response back automated response it's it's an algorithm that we put together we've we've created all these answers all these questions we essentially created something similar to the pocket employment lawyer right. that Lior my partner had created many many years ago ago, which, you know, hundreds of thousands of people across the country have been using. Same thing here with pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. The idea behind it is to get you accurate information in real time immediately. And really, it takes, John, if you've done it, about 20, 30 seconds to get yep. an answer. And the answer is going to be calibrated and is going to be specific to your situation. Now, at the end, when you get that answer about whatever question you have, if then you want to get in touch with me or anybody on my team, again, to talk to us for free about your situation, you can just click a button that says contact us. Right. If you don't, close down the browser and we won't know that you were there. But at least this is a place, John, for people to get accurate and quick real-time information and answers for their disability or long-term disability questions. Again, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca, all in one word. You can check it out. Okay, what, uh, what, uh, what story you got for me this week, pal? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, again, we're getting into winter now, or almost into winter. Well, yeah. I can tell you that uh, you know car accidents are in full swing, unfortunately. Uh, but this one, this particular car accident situation I want to talk to you about, actually happened over a year ago. So this is from the summer of 2022. Okay. And it's an interesting situation. I'll give you the facts in a second you know, for our listeners, and I'll explain uh, why it's something that we have to learn from, why people need to be cognizant of what to do and how to react after a car accident in terms of your legal rights, compensation rights, etc. So, so I, I got a call earlier this week from this 52-year-old gentleman. He was injured in a car accident. He was rear-ended 
when he was on his way to Wasaga Beach with his family. This was in July of 2022. Okay, so not a year and a half ago, but over a year ago. Mm -hmm. Now, because of this accident, because of the way that he was injured, the way that the car was struck, he aggravated his right shoulder. He had a pre-existing issue there. Right. He had a pre-existing right shoulder injury from when he was in high school many, many years ago. He, he used to play football and he had issues with his shoulder. But, you know, even though the shoulder gave him issues all those years ago, it sort of plateaued. It resolved sufficiently so that he ended up, you know, becoming uh, an adult, obviously, and, and uh, opening a butcher shop, and he operates a butcher shop. It's his own shop. Well, it's a very physical job, as you can imagine, uh, it, to be in that shop. And because of this injury, he's now had a lot of difficulty doing those tasks that he needs to do as the owner of the butcher shop, uh, preparing the meats and everything yep. else uh, that he did before. And so uh, he was off work after this accident for about a month or so. So from July to about August, again, 2022. Uh, he ended up over time developing a frozen shoulder uh, despite treatments, etc. cetera. Uh, he was told by his orthopedic surgeon that he needs most likely a surgery on a shoulder, but that the odds of that fixing what he's got or making it better or at least making it the way it was before the accident is not that great. So of mm -hmm. course, what's the point of doing the the you know the the, the surgery? But right. still, you know the orthopod is providing him with options. Okay. Now here's the thing, though. He went back to work about a month or so after. I mean, he had no choice, right? He has the shop he has to manage, and it was just pretty much him uh, with a little bit of help here and there. But because of the injury that he suffered, because of the reaggravation of the shoulder injury and all the issues he now has. He had to help someone. Sorry, he had to hire someone part time to help him right. with the various tasks that before that he he was doing, and so so he he hired someone part time. He pays that person about two and a half thousand dollars a month. Okay, that person works with him about twenty five to thirty hours a week. Uh, so so he has that help now and this expense that he did not have be before the accident. Okay, mm -hmm. so far so good, right, John? Okay. Yep. In addition, a friend of his who lives close by has been helping him with various things around the home. You know, so so cutting the lawn and and physical out stuff, no yeah. physical stuff, right? I mean, so yep. he has a friend that spends time helping him with cool. things that again he was able to do before the accident. All right. Okay, fast track this. So he, he didn't speak to any lawyers up until this past week when he called me because he wanted some advice. He's been listening to us on the radio and he wanted to know what to do. He got some accident benefits back then. He got treatments. Uh, he got some income loss, uh, some, some income replacement benefits for the first few weeks. Okay, all, all good. But what do you do with this extra expense that he now has for his business, right? Having to hire this person to now mm -hmm. do the job he used to be able to do. Uh, what do you do with his friend who's been helping him and can't help him forever? I mean, presumably, you know, do all these things around the home. At some point, he's going to have to probably hire a company to help him with winter maintenance, uh, lawn cutting, etc. What do you do with all these kinds of things? What do you do? Well, he was contacted early on after the accident by the insurance company of the vehicle that struck him and his family from the back, gotcha. right? the at-fault vehicle, the insurance company. And this is not unusual. It's not unusual for the insurance company of the car who's responsible for the accident to reach out to you if you were the injured party and talk to you and try to see if they can potentially resolve the claim directly with you before you speak with a lawyer. Right? Again, before you speak with a lawyer. Well, yeah. he's been speaking to them for about eight months now. Do you know how far they've gotten, John? Do you know mm -hmm. what is the last offer that the insurance company has offered to pay him to shut down this claim altogether? Probably a pittance, right? Well, you can call it that. 
$20,000. Wow. 20000 So the Not insurance company told them, if, if we cut you a check for twenty grand, and by the way, they started from about $3,000, oh. okay? They went all the way up to 20000 and, and so when I was spe- speaking with this gentleman, I said, listen, listen, let me break it down to you. Let me explain to you kind of how it works. So, okay, put aside the fact that you have been receiving some benefits from your own insurance company, your own car insurance company for your rehabilitation, for your mm-hmm. physio, for your massage, etc., income replacement. That insurance company of the vehicle that struck you, what do they owe you? Put aside the 20000 Let me assess your case for you. First of all, we're looking at fault. Who's at fault? Well, the person who hit you from behind is at fault. Okay, that's a no-brainer. So let's move on to damages. We're dealing with an injured shoulder, potential surgery. Uh, he's, he's 52 years old. There is a likelihood that he's never going to fully recover from this because his shoulder was already in a vulnerable state before, for yeah. which he's not responsible, by the way. The responsibility for that, for the re-aggravation, is on the guy who hit him. Mm-hmm. And so I did quick math for him. I said, let's just take a look at the extra expense that you now have with the guy that is helping you, the, the part-time helper at, at the shop. You're paying him $2,500 a month. That's $30,000 a year in expenses that you, before the accident, did not have that's going to diminish your bottom line, right, for your business. That $30,000, multiply that by five years, that's $150,000 he's going to have to pay to this extra help that before the accident he did not need for five years. For 10 years, it's $300,000. Yeah. I'm not even talking, John, about the fact that, well, what about his friend who's been helping him with winter maintenance, long cutting, all that kind of stuff. Let's assume for a second that to pay someone for those services will cost you another ten grand for the year. Okay? Okay, five grand for the year. Let's call it five, okay, even though it's going to be more. Let's say five grand for the year because sure. his friend is really helping him with a lot of things. Okay? Spread that out for the next 10 years. That's an extra $50,000 that he's going to have to get compensation from. Somebody's going to have to pay for that. Otherwise, it's him paying out of pocket. So between that $50,000 and the three hundred he has to pay to that extra help for the butcher uh, at the butcher shop, that's $350,000. What about the pain and suffering for the actual you know, shoulder, the shoulder injury? My estimate of that is that it's worth anywhere between seventy dollars and $90,000. Okay? Let's call it $70,000. We're now over $400,000. What about potential surgery he's going to have and all the treatments he's going to have to pay potentially out of pocket? Not everything is going to get covered, presumably, by his insurance company. So, John, you're looking at a claim here that, in my view, just preliminarily, looks like it's worth around four to $600,000 by the time I'm done with it. What did I tell you the insurance company was offering him to settle the case? $20,000. Do you understand? Yeah. But, but here's, the, here's the crux of it. Here's the thing. He was ready to sign for the 20000 The reason he called me is because his wife, who's been also listening to our show, insisted that he give me a call so that we can speak. Thank God he did. So I explained everything to him and to his wife. And, and you know what? We are now going to deal with this claim. We're going to uh, tell the insurance company for the driver who hit him to take a hike. We're going to do this right. We're going to get all the documentation from his doctors. We're going to assemble the case the way it needs to be assembled. I'm going to pour money into the various experts that we're going to have to retain, an orthopedic surgeon expert yeah. in addition to the orthopod he has, uh, a, a financial expert to look at all the, the extra expenses he has, maybe not just a part-time help at the butcher shop. Maybe there's more. We need to deal with the case correctly. And John, here's the other thing I want to tell people. If you try to negotiate with an insurance company by yourself, there are two things potentially that can go wrong. Two main things. Many things can go wrong, but two main things. Number one, you may end up agreeing to uh, settle your case for a fraction 
a fr- pittance, as you call mm-hmm. it, cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And once you sign on yeah. the dollar line, you cannot go back. You can't. You can't get it done. You know. So my point is that you have to make sure that you get the advice of a lawyer. The second thing that can happen is you could potentially, potentially miss the limitation period. And if it's if you're over the two-year mark since the accident happened, you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have to forego all that money because now you're out yeah. of time. A lot of stuff still to cover on this and some emails as well. Great story, though, and that's uh, give you a good heads up to always make that phone call before you put pen to paper. Say yes to anything from that insurance company that they call you. Toll free for Savannah and his team, 1-855-821-5900. You can go to help at disabilityrights.ca. As we mentioned right off the top, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. Super handy. It's free and anonymous as well. We'll get to your emails and lots more coming up here on the Disability Law Show. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, we are back. Disability Law Show, good to have you along for the uh, the show today. Before you ride off into the weekend, Savannah Markin, always available for you. Got a great team with them as well. Make that phone call if it's just for a chat. That's fine. That's how it starts, right? Toll free, 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. The opportunity for you as well to ask other questions anonymously uh, with a searchable database. That's the key to this one, mydisabilityquestions.com. We read those throughout the show as well. Uh, first email today, Savannah Con- from Samantha says, guys, I was uh, walking in a parking lot and a person hit me while coming out of a parking spot. I fell, hit my head. I even lost consciousness for a few seconds and suffered a concussion. I spoke with some friends and they said, I can't sue because everything in a parking lot is 50-50. Is that true? Can I not put in a claim for this? Uh, Samantha, first of all, uh, very, very sorry for what you've gone through. Um, I mean, a concussion is a serious thing. Let's start with that, okay? John, a lot of people think that a concussion just goes away very quickly. No, a concussion is essentially a brain injury. If you Google concussion, you will see that it's Mm -hmm. brain injury. Now, some of them are very mild. Some of them just the symptoms go away and nothing happens. But in some instances, they don't, which is why I tell people that if you experience anything like loss of consciousness, uh, headaches, dizziness, anything like that after an accident, get checked out, you know, at the hospital or a clinic. I'll tell you this, John, unless you are actually certain that you're not injured, even in the mildest of cases, you should get checked out because you never know. It reminds me of a situation of, you know, when I had an accident with my car, uh, it was really a mild accident. And I, I mean, I felt that it was a very, very mild accident. Uh, and I actually thought that the, the damage to my car was cosmetic, only to take it in for them to look under the hood and find out that there's a, actually a lot more damage that was done internally than you can see from the outside. And I mention that because sometimes that's the way human bodies are. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. we've gotten injured and we start feeling it, really feeling it. A day later, two days, three days, four days later, you start feeling very sore. You start feeling the dizziness and all that kind of stuff. So so make sure you get checked out. Now, Samantha, you're saying you suffered the concussion. You spoke to some friends and they said that you can't put in a legal claim against the person they hit you because everything in a parking lot is 50-50. Well, I don't know what world they're living in. I can tell you one thing. They're not lawyers, or at least they're not lawyers who deal with injury law. That is a certainty because no one in Ontario, no lawyer that does injury law for a living the way I do, the way my colleagues do, will tell you that piece of information, which is completely yeah. inaccurate. Uh, I, 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 will, I will start off by saying that when you're dealing with a pedestrian versus car, 
collision. Okay, under Ontario law, the onus of proving who's at fault is actually reversed. What I mean by that is that generally speaking, John, when you're uh, when you suffer an accident or an injury, uh, let's say two cars collide, let's say um, I don't know, you fell off a horse in, in a horse camp, whatever it is, if you <laughs> yeah. suffered an injury and you want to put in a claim and say someone was negligent, someone caused me this injury because of their negligence. The onus is on you under Ontario law to prove that they are negligent. And this, we do this for a living. I mean, we deal with these kinds of claims, right? We deal with these kinds of issues. Somebody comes to me, says that they're injured. I say, okay, what happened? Let me see if I can tell you that I can prove that the other side was at fault. And if so, how can we go about making sure that their insurance company pays you compensation? Okay? So the mm-hmm. onus is on you as the injured party to prove that they're at fault. A lot of times, in some circumstances, it's not difficult. When you are a pedestrian and you're struck by a car like Samantha here, that onus is reversed. What I mean by that is that Samantha doesn't have to prove that that person who was driving, who hit her, is negligent or was negligent. That person is presumed to be negligent and must disprove that they were negligent. So that makes that claim for Samantha that much easier because the onus Mm -hmm. is not on her. I know this is a lot of legal speak and legal terminology, but my point is, Samantha, is that not only are your friends wrong, but actually, this is an easier case to deal with than a regular case if you were in another car and we have to prove that the other side was at fault. So they are completely wrong. Now, let me talk about something else here. If you suffered a concussion as a result of this, uh, you are going to be, well, actually, not just a concussion, any injury as a result of getting hit by a car, you're entitled to two sides, of, to two types of claims, potentially. The first one, is called uh, it's called accident benefits, and those are benefits, John. We've discussed before. Uh, these are benefits mm-hmm. that you're entitled to get either from your own automobile insurance company, if you have automobile insurance, or if you don't and you were struck by someone else's car, you're a pedestrian, by that person's insurance company. They have to pay you accident benefits. Things like. Uh, they have to reimburse you for medical expenses like physio, massage, chiropractic, those kinds of things, up to a certain amount. It dep- the amount that we're talking about depends on the significance of your injuries. Uh, if you can't work after the accident, you're suffering an income loss, they're going to need to pay for your income replacement benefits. Typically, those are up to $400 a week. Sometimes it's more, uh, sometimes it's less. There's a formula that is used, and it depends on the amount of benefits that this person has under their policy. But there is another claim, which we discussed in the last segment with the gentleman that called me, the one that worked in the butcher shop that injured his right shoulder. That's the tort claim. That's the claim for pain and suffering. It's the claim for future income losses. It's the claim for other expenses, all those kinds of claims that you are entitled to advance against the, the person or entity that was responsible for your injury. Right as a result of this accident. In this case, in Samantha's case, the other driver, the the driver's insurance uh, company is going to have to deal with this claim. And Samantha is going to have a claim here, assuming that her injuries are ongoing, assuming her limitations and impairments are ongoing, assuming it's affected in a significant way, her her way of living. uh, And that can be impacting her ability to earn money. It could be if she's not employed, uh, impacting uh, various aspects of her daily living. Right, because some people, you know, they're students or they're retired or whatever situation may be, it's not just an impact on your earnings; it's an impact all around. Right? If you suffered an injury because of a car collision, whether you were a pedestrian, a cyclist, whether you were in another car, if if your injuries are such that they're permanent or at least for the foreseeable future, you're going to have these kinds of issues because of the accident. You're potentially entitled to put in this claim. But remember, 
Remember, Samantha, you only have two years from the date of the accident to start that legal claim. If you pass that two-year mark, it is almost impossible to pursue those kinds of damages. I'm not saying it's impossible because there are some exceptions, but you don't want to have to argue those exceptions. So you always want to consult with a lawyer, someone like myself, like one of my colleagues. Again, we talk to people every day about this, John, every single day at no charge. It doesn't cost anything to talk to me or anyone on my team. If you or someone you know has been injured as a result of a car collision, a slip and fall, anything like that, we don't charge anything. Just like we do this show to educate the public, by the same token, we speak with people and families. Frankly, oftentimes we speak more than just the injured individual. We talk to the spouses, to the siblings, whoever wants to speak with us, we talk to them and explain their legal rights. You know, let me ask you this. We've still got a couple minutes to go here, but um, if, if it were a case in a similar parking lot, maybe not getting hit by somebody, but you slip on ice or, or fell due to whatever maintenance issues, as you said, winter's coming. I mean, does this fall squarely on the shoulders of the maintenance people for the parking lot or whoever owns that particular space? It could. It depends. And I say it depends because, you know, one of the things we tell people, you and I have talked about this many times, John, is that if you suffer a slip and fall, either you or someone you know whoever's with you or, or a witness, it's important to document the state of the area. What does the sidewalk look like? What does the, the parking lot look like? Anywhere, the place where you fell, was it properly maintained? Because I can guarantee you that you're going to say that there was black ice or that there was a problem. The other side is going to say, no, 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 we maintained the area. We put in salt, we cleared the snow and ice, etc. If there are photographs, if there is a video of the area that shows clearly that it was not maintained properly, that there was a danger, a hazard, I mean, you know, that's like, uh, that's a, so I'm not going to say it's a slam dunk, but I mean, that's real evidence. And you don't want to do it a week later because the weather conditions will change. You don't, you don't even want to do it a day later. The, the, the further out you go time-wise from the time this happened, uh, the more there's an argument that the weather conditions changed, uh, that what you're seeing on the ground is not what actually happened. But to answer your question, uh, we handle a lot of slip and fall cases, particularly in the winter, obviously, when this happens, particularly in Canada and in Ontario. And I can tell you, oftentimes, it's not clear cut who's responsible. It could be whoever owns the area. Let's say you're in a parking lot of a mall. The mall potentially owns the area or has control of the area, but they may subcontract a service, the winter services, to a third party, a winter maintenance contractor. And that winter maintenance contractor may further subcontract to another contractor. So this is where we come in because we do all this investigation. And the reason it's important is because when it comes time to settle the case, particularly when you're looking at bigger cases, I want every single pocket, every insurance pocket, every insurance entity that may respond to this claim, I want them at the table to negotiate with me. It's much easier to negotiate with five insurance companies than simply one because there's five pockets and they can divide among themselves how much they pay my client. But you as an individual, you may not be able to know how to do this. It's not actually that simple. Uh, oftentimes we have to send legal letters, we have to do investigations, etc. This is where we come in. This is where us, this is how we earn our money. We figure out who's responsible for your injury, whether it's a slip and fall, whether it's a car accident. By the way, even with car accidents, not that's not, not that clear. You can have a situation where somebody hits you, but guess what? They work for a company. It's a company-owned car. Well, you're going to have to understand and know who to go after. Who's the claim going to be against? Not just the driver, but the company, yeah. right? So again, it, it, a lot of it has to do with kind of the nuances of the law, which is why I tell people, do not do this by yourself and do not go to a lawyer 
that doesn't do this for a living. Many lawyers will say, oh yeah, I can handle your claim. Meanwhile, they also do family law and estates law and, and real estate. Yeah. Go- gone are the days, John, where a lawyer can do everything. Just like gone are the days where you can have a doctor, there is a cardiologist, there is a uh, 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 nose and ear specialist. You, can- you can't. Yeah. There are specialties to all these things, and this is what we do for a living. So this is why I tell people, make sure you do your homework. Do not just go to any lawyer, and certainly do not do it by yourself. We can help you. We do this every single day. And that time of year, it's coming. It's going to get uh, going to get ugly very shortly as we're looking for a temperature drop as of uh, you know tomorrow. So you know what's around the corner. I hate that four-letter S word, but snow's going to be here. So you got to make sure you're uh, you're on board and you have everything uh, straightened away. If it happens to you in the parking lot or a roadway or otherwise, always reach out to uh, to Savannah and his team as we get out of here for a, another weekend. Enjoy your weekend, by the way. I want to leave you the numbers? They'll toll free anytime. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. How you reach out? DisabilityRights.ca. That email. Courtesy of uh, Samantha, and if you sent one as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. And that website's so handy, man. Easy to use. It's built for you to use and gain information. It's free. It's anonymous. It'll take a couple minutes to go through it. Pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. Again, pocketdisabilitylawyer.ca. Appreciate your time, Savannah. Thanks, pal. And we'll catch you next time here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.